MYP fam, what's going on? It has been a while and I am deeply apologetic for that. It seems like I'm like a bear. Every so often I go into hibernation and people are always wondering what happened. And it's usually one of three things. Either the, the kids have gotten absolutely, you know, out of control and have taken over the, you know, the house, which is totally possible and happened a few times. The business has grown tremendously and we've been launching and, and we have a ton of new shows and that we're working with. And that has just been fantastic and a ton of great problems. And then obviously, you know, trying to, to live a, a normal life and, and try and, and enjoy some of these things has been a challenge amidst everything that's going on. But to sit here and complain about all the problems of abundance would be absolutely out of my integrity. And I'm so grateful for all the things that have been going on in my life, but I am deeply apologetic for letting my publishing schedule drop. And all the whilst over the last several weeks, you know, maybe over the last you know, couple of months, I have been in the lab trying to figure out how to make podcasts even better. And so over that time, I've been able to have a chat with several people, you know, quite a few people who I want to bring to you because they have some absolute genius within them and I want to be able to share it with you. And today's episode is with Ryan Sullivan, who has recently become one of my favorite people to follow in the podcast industry because of his realness his authenticity, his rawness, and I think that we just, we connect on a lot of levels. And so we're going to get into that episode today. And we talk really all things podcasting. We talk about growth, we talk about videos, we talk about, you know, some of the, the challenges that come along with growing a podcast. So I know that you're going to get a ton out of today. And we're going to be releasing an episode every single day this week. So get ready, hit the follow button if you're not already following. Come connect with Ryan and I on LinkedIn and let us know what you thought about this episode. But without further ado, let's get into today's episode with Ryan Sullivan. NYP fam, I want you guys to give a warm welcome to Mr. Ryan Sullivan. Thanks for being here, dude. Hey, thank you so much for having me, man. I appreciate it. Always excited to talk podcasting, no matter what we're talking about. So what's cool is the title of this episode has something to do with kind of creating a local podcast. And I haven't shared this a whole lot, but I guess I'll come out and talk about it now because it's been a while long enough. But I had a, another failed podcast that I'd thrown in the podcast garbage, which is a local daily sports podcast. And for me, there were a variety of reasons that it went out the door, mostly because it was daily and that was hard. But the idea of growing a local podcast, I think, is so cool for a lot of reasons, both monetization-wise, audience-wise, community, the whole thing. And we were talking before we started recording, and you said that that's kind of the thing that you would be able to give a talk about. So catch us up on why. Give us your little bit of your story. Obviously, how you're doing kind of podcasting full-time is kind of what, help you, what you guys help people do. But catch us up on how you got here and why you know the local side of it was such a big part of your journey. Sure thing. Yeah. So like I said, off camera, I was really going through your episodes. I didn't see nor have I really seen a lot of talk about this in kind of the podcasting industry, if you could say that. But in terms of the benefits of and how to leverage your locality or where you live in terms of your podcast. And you know that I almost did that, as I said, off camera, like without even knowing it. And I started this whole thing with a podcast in 2018, just massive fan of Joe Rogan and all his guests and like really like the style. And I feel like I was probably one of those people who 
I didn't say I could do that, but I was like, I just want to do a podcast because I was releasing these things called Monday Thoughts. And every Monday, I'll put out a one minute Instagram video. It's right when Instagram video started to kind of take off. Like there was no reels or anything, but the audience was seeing it. And I'm talking like a thousand followers or something like that. But people really like these Monday Thoughts, but a minute wasn't enough. They didn't have an IGTV or whatever. And I just didn't do the YouTube thing yet. So I had made YouTube videos 10 years ago, but like I wasn't doing it. And I was like, Instagram's my platform. I'm a rapper music producer. I've been releasing music for a long time. So those were kind of my fans on there, but they started to like these one minute videos. So I took the videos and I figured, okay, how can I expand on them and probably take a portion of that audience on maybe on YouTube or take a portion of the audience and have them go a little bit deeper on the concept if 10% of the people want to do that, right? I might as well have that platform for them to do so. So I started a podcast The first episode got like 200 views on YouTube, which I'm like, that's good enough to keep going. And then I think after two solo episodes, I met somebody in my class at community college who made six figures on the stock market in a year. At that point, I was like, okay, this guy is like doing something. He worked at UPS and basically had like UPS pay for his college and then he like quit the job. So he got college for free. Like he was one of these guys, like stock trader, definitely like knew how to work his way through the system finesse. Like I was like, but I I like it. I was like, I don't know what he's doing. I don't know if it's legit, but I like it. So like episode three turned it into an interview podcast, brought him on. He had lived like 30 minutes away from me and And that was the start of my interview podcast. And we're going to hit 100 episodes next week or the week after this. It's just kind of crazy to see like the evolution. But it started there with this one guy named Dan Valente. And uh, he's still in finance today. And that's what he does. And that was really the start of it. And there's many other guests. And I actually have a story about a guest who tragically passed away in a car accident who was a DJ. And he was one of my good friends. I mean, like I wasn't best friends with him. I just met him in a class. Once again, met him in a college class, had him on the podcast. But his family, they reached out to me after and they were like, hey, thanks for recording this two hours. And it wasn't a good interview. It was just he was there on the podcast being himself, right? And that was the main reason why I had him on to begin with, because he was unapologetically himself. So you take my friend Dan, you take my friend Brian who passed, and then you kind of start to look at it. Like if you zoomed out of my podcast, you know, it's mostly New Jersey, mostly artists and entrepreneurs, right? It kind of just happened this way. So like I have those two kind of moments, right? the moment with Dan, which is I should make this an interview show. And then the moment with Brian, where unfortunately it's a tragedy, but I took a positive out of that. So that's the start. I can go into the business and all those other things, but it's not as important right now. How did the locality of that play a role or where did that come into play? First of all, I only had access to people who were around me, right? So I wasn't going to do a virtual show. It just what didn't appeal to me at all. And I just thought podcasting was in person. Like this is before the pandemic and everything. So it has to be in person. And that was my mindset. I would just use Instagram and find artists on Instagram and just DM them. And if they were within like an hour, they would come on the show. And it was hard to get people to drive to me when I'm a nobody, right? When it's like, oh, your podcast has 50 followers on Instagram and gets five downloads an episode. Like I didn't tell them that. I would have to figure out a way to get them on. But most of the people have never been on one before. So they really appreciated me asking them. And then so I'd say that was kind of the beginning of it. And then there was another major shift that happened when I interned at a music studio. It was like an unpaid internship, just trying to get game, just trying to learn how to edit audio. And I met a group of artists there. One of them owned a collective, it's called Mad Minds, where they put on shows by artists for artists. So you don't have to pay a corporation to get up on stage. So I've been working with them now for the last few years, more closely in the last six months. But meeting the owner of that collective of artists allowed me to use their platform for myself to perform 
And then when I started performing with them, I met 200 artists. So that just completely opened the door to like, I'll have guests for the rest of my life, basically, because I met this small group of people who had access to this large group of people. And this is all within my state, within like an hour driving distance of me. So it was really those two things. It was the thing in the beginning of like, I literally don't have any guests. So I'll just DM people around me. And then that second moment of like, wow, I just met like 200 people over the course of like six months, you know? Was there any like unforeseen benefits or you listen to Joe? I listened to quite a bit of Jerry too. And, and one of my favorite questions is he's like, what's the most surprising thing? Because all of them were local. Did anything surprise you or was there anything that was surprising that came of that? You know, I think the most surprising thing probably would be the appearance of the podcast or how people look at it now. I think that's the most surprising thing to me. Like, I don't have a big show. Like, Listen Notes says I'm like top 10% or something, which is like pretty average. YouTube does okay. We get like 500 to 1,000 views a month or something like that. Like, it's not a massive show in terms of the numbers. But like, when somebody reaches out to me and they're like, hey, you got one of the biggest podcasts in New Jersey. Like, I really appreciate what you're doing or I'd love to be on because I do this 100% for me. Like I don't do it for any of the downloads or the views. And I'm not even a sponsor of my own podcast. I'm not even taking my own advice. Like I'm not even the person who's selling the stuff I sell on my own show, right? As my own sponsor, because not that I wouldn't do that. It's just that I don't do it for that. I do it because of the benefit to myself and then the benefit to the guests. But I'd say like, other than the entire emotional side of podcasting and like what I feel when I do it, which is the reason why I do it, personally, other than that, like that surprised me, like how I had to change as a person because of my podcast. Other than that side of it, which is kind of going a little deep, I would say the most surprising thing is really how the podcast looks towards other people now. And that's probably the result of a combination of things, whether it's the guests, people knowing the guests, the vertical videos that we've been really focusing on lately. But it's probably a combination of things. But I'd say like that one's the biggest one recently that has been a surprise. But then I'd say it's really too. It's really kind of that emotional side and then what the podcast kind of looks like to the, in the public size now. I think one thing that's so valuable about podcasting is that it's global, right? I mean, you can literally reach into the depths of the planet and you'll see like two downloads from Tanzania or wherever they're coming from. And shout out to homies in Tanzania. I love them. But I think that there is some benefit to going super local. First for the community in the sense that it's hard to get a podcast community together in real life because they're so global getting them together in one room, that's going to have to be a huge event. It's going to take a lot of work. Whereas if it's a local podcast, that community aspect happens so much quicker. And then one of the reasons that I played around with it so much that I was willing to experiment with it and it was really close. If I would have gotten some sponsorship money behind it, we probably would have kept going. But is the sponsorship opportunities. Like, I guess a business could go to Spotify and you could probably try and figure out some tracking, you know, OTT things to try and do it local. But if a brand wanted to use voice advertising, they'd have to go radio. And I don't know how effective that is. And so I think there's a real opportunity for that. So what are your thoughts both on the community aspect and on the monetization aspect that become possible from something like that? Yeah, I definitely would say that the community side almost comes by default. Like if you do something like what I'm doing, which is really like, I'd say 80% of the people are from the same state, everybody knows everybody, right? Like everybody, you're only now one person away from everybody. That art little kind of low level artists that I had on low level, meaning like you followers in the thousands or maybe listeners in the thousands or tens of thousands, they're only one person away from the manager who manages the artist with millions of downloads or millions of plays or whatever, right? Or that headlining artist, like 
Now, and this happens with podcasting, regardless of the locality, but the local version of it accelerates it, right? And I think Alex Ramosi said this, he's like, you want to be a monopoly in business. Monopolies, they're not supposed to exist, right? But like, ultimately, that's what you want to do. So why wouldn't you want to do that with your podcast? Like, now I'm realizing that not that my goal isn't to take over the area, my goal isn't to like, force these other podcasts out and be bigger than them. But if I can be a monopoly, then I'm going to be. So I think the community side, and that ties into the community side, because then you become the only person who can facilitate this thing or do this thing or create content at this level or distribute it to this many people in this geographical area. So that's kind of an indirect community benefit, I would say. I also don't think that I've done enough to create the community side or really hone the community side. I have people who do, especially for artists, but I'd like to do more with that. And then there's a restaurant near me that's went out three times, right? They've had like three restaurants in the same location. You've seen it all the time. And so with this new one, I'm about to just go to this owner and it might be a chain. It might not be. I don't really know. And just be like, listen, dude, I will put you in front of at least 1500 people who live within 20 minutes of here. And that's going to be my brand. That's going to be the podcast. It's going to be all the social media platforms. Whatever my price is, is my price. But like, nobody else has the trust. Like it's me and maybe three other people in this area, right? Because I'm also in a rural area on all platforms, 10,000 followers, even if 25% of them are from my local area, like I'm one of the only ones that can have the poll. So that also is to tie that into the monetization. And you're probably like this too. It's like, oh, they're only so beneficial, right? Like unique listeners, downloads, it's all great. But if you can have a clip of a podcast of the founder of the restaurant that gets tens of thousands of views, like you can't even buy that, right? That gets in front of the right people. I really do see this kind of collaboration between the community element and the monetization right? Because I always say too, like the best sponsor is the best sponsor for you. Like the best sponsor is the company that you use that you have a custom relationship with. It's not some referral code. Like it's a real relationship when it's something that you use and you stand by. And then you're an influencer with the same values that they have, right? So you can do that locally. I mean, for sure, 100%. The podcast is probably one part of it then and maybe not the entire thing. But yeah, I kind of went in a few different directions there. But I do think that there's a lot of kind of ties between the community benefit, the monetization. I think a lot of people think too global in meaning that they overvalue a bigger audience and they undervalue their current audience. My audience is really, really valuable. And 30% of them are honed in this one geographical area. And like not a lot of other people have that. You might be listening to this podcast right now and have that and not even realize it. Right. And I think that the other side of that coin is that businesses don't really have a way to reach that. We could list a bunch of options, but they either take a lot of time, money, or what you're talking about is that connection. It's hard to create that connection with an audience where they take your recommendation, right? I mean, I think you probably saw the Mr. Beast thing, right? Where he had like 10,000 people outside of his burger shop. And it's just kind of what you're speaking to, but at a different kind of level. Yeah, exactly, man. And listen, these businesses can't find me. Like they could if they looked in, but I don't even hashtag my own town, which is stupid. I should probably do that. Or the surrounding towns. I mean, you're right too. And on that other side, like, well, you should be, if not, you're geotagging where you... Yeah, I don't have location on on my phone for any of the apps, but I would geotag. I don't really mind. But like, I thought though, I'm like, nah, New Jersey's like, you know, I love New Jersey. been here my whole life. Yeah, but I'm going to expand. I can move or maybe I'll have people on from different areas. But I'm like, maybe I should just hone in on this. And I love the state. Like, why not? So there's a lot of gaps, though, for sure. And kind of what you were alluding to of like, there's no way to really find these people. And then how do you vet them? And then if you're a restaurant, you don't know about. If you're a restaurant, all you know is send the coupon code to your email list. And that's like the highest level. So 
how are you going to even find these people? But yeah, I mean, on an influencer side, though, there's probably more you can do, you know, and for sure, have I sent proposals that are numbers that don't even make sense? And the business is like, hey, this is like crazy. So let's get around to tactics. Looking back on it, what are some of the things that you like did well? Or was there anything that stood out that you're like, damn, I probably should have done this differently? Oh, yeah. Not to do is don't stop. Okay. Everybody tells you that. Hector tells you that. Every single person on LinkedIn tells you that. Everybody in their email, if you're on their email list, they tell you that. But just don't do it. Just don't do it. That's it. I stopped. It ruined all the momentum. I had to build it all back up again. It was like I was starting a brand new podcast after I took time off. In the end of the day, if you want to know how to not stop, just don't make an excuse to stop. Like, don't say to yourself, oh, it's COVID. I can't do in-person interviews, so I guess I'll have to stop. That's not reality. Reality is that you don't have to stop at all. If you have a phone still, you can do your podcast, right? So that's the biggest not to do thing, right? Like I wish I never stopped. I would be five times bigger or I would be accelerated that much more if I just went harder in those eight months that I took off. Yeah, we all have these like minimum viable requirements, right? If you will, which is like, it's got to sound like this. So if I don't have a mic, I'm not going to do it. Or I've got to be able to do it this many, you know, every week or whatever it is, or else I'm not going to do it. Where if you can kind of remove some of those, then yeah, you'll keep going, right? Even if it's like, okay, if you need to reduce down to once a month, or you need to use a travel mic or whatever you got to do, maintaining that consistency is way more important. I think that's kind of what you're getting to, right? Yeah, it's more important than probably anything else. I mean, listen, if your content's terrible and you're releasing it every week, it should get better. Even if you were the most narcissistic person in the world and you're like, no, this is amazing. Like, and you don't care about downloads or listeners or anything, which there are people like that, right? There's hobbyist podcasters who have released for nine years and not had more than 10 people listen to it. And like, that's cool. But for the most part, anybody listening to this, if you're listening to this podcast, you're already self-aware. Like you already know you have to market something, right? You already know you need to improve something over time. So yeah, totally. Consistency is super important. What has worked? It's been interesting. I mean, I was on a podcast the other day talking about this where I had an episode, right? And I had a guest. This episode got four times the amount of downloads, 4X my average of downloads on audio, right? And I'm trying to figure it out. I'm like, why did this episode? It wasn't my audience. I'm like, there's no way my audience consumed this episode four times more. You kind of get the feel. You're like, ah, that's it can't be it. So I'm starting to rule things out. Turned out that she had a few sounds on TikTok that went viral. And so I don't know if people were searching her name. I had good SEO on the episode. I was doing podcast SEO before I even knew I was doing podcast SEO. My friend Googles his Mad Minds, the name Mad Minds, that artist collective. He goes, dude, you got better SEO than me on my own company name right? So I didn't even know. I don't write for SEO. I just write the stuff. I just make the show notes. And what's in there is what's in there. So, you know, that was definitely one of those times where I'm like, oh, I did something right here. I just didn't even know that I did it, did something right. So definitely that portion of it of like figuring out why didn't episode do much better. And it was it the TikTok. And I've had many of these TikTok people on most of their episodes do well, not all of them. And then I'd say also just vertical, man. I just went all in on Instagram. Have not done TikTok yet. Have not done YouTube shorts. So I can't speak on them. I can speak on Instagram. I've done 100 clips there, 85, 90, 100 clips. And that's what got my podcast visible. Because think about it like this. People are forced to watch my videos. They might be the president of Warner Brothers, right? Or something crazy. They're just scrolling. So I have people watching my videos who are super high level, whether they're rappers or A&Rs or maybe they're bigger podcasters or at a podcast producer I looked up to who literally found me from one of my videos 
and I had followed him months and months before that. But once he saw one of my videos, he realized, oh, okay, this kid knows what he's doing. So I'd say those kind of few things. First of all, yeah, don't stop. Then why did certain episodes do well? Figure it out, or at least try to figure out why they did well. And then also for me personally, I went into the, how am I going to grow? I'm going to go organic. I'm going to go vertical. And then that's just the avenue I chose to go down. Yeah. I think everyone needs to pick an avenue. There's a lot of them. On that point, what I'm realizing is that you can pick an avenue and then you can kind of squeeze all of that or as much as you can out of that avenue. We vertical shorts, I would say that if you're doing YouTube, we've seen a lot of pull with YouTube shorts. I mean, we just brought on a client that they were averaging, I don't know, your normal views that you'd get on a podcast episode, 30, 15, 20 sometimes. We just started doing some YouTube shorts and then that one shot up to like 1700, right? And it just at least gets you in the ball game here and you can kind of see some of those trickle into the other videos. One thing I want to get your opinion on before we get out of here is this idea that podcasters are not influencers. It seems like in my head, there's a difference. Maybe there's not. I think kind of semantics at that point. But it seems like to some people, they don't consider podcasters as influencers. What's your distinction there? And is there any merit to those people who kind of gripe at the fact that they're not getting included there? Well, I think that it first depends on definitions, but you take a, somebody on TikTok who gets a million views on a video. Are they an influencer because there's a million random people who just happen to see it? Or would you rather have somebody who has a dedicated 1,000 listeners per episode and those people know this person so intimately, right? They trust almost everything they say, right? The reason why some people have liquid IV in their house right now, okay? so. When I look at influencer, I don't look at breath. I have it in my house because we went to college with the guys who started it, but that's different. Hey, that's badass though. That's pretty cool. I have a better alternative. It's almost comical, the vitamin level they have. And like, I'm not going to go off far on this, but it's in the hundreds of times the daily value. What I take is in the thousands and tens of thousands of times the daily value. You'll have to hit me with that link later. I got you. I got you. And pretty affordable too. I'll show it to you. But I look at in terms of influencers, I would want depth if I was a company, but I'm a podcaster. So I'm biased. But like, I wouldn't want breath. I wouldn't want views. Views would be cool for branding. Like if that's your play, if you're like, listen, I want my logo to be seen. Views is where it's at. Your million view TikTok, right? Those people are not dedicated day in and day out, right? The view on TikTok is not the same as a download on a podcast and listening to somebody for an hour a week, right? So I'd rather take the depth than the breath. So in terms of is a podcaster an influencer? Yes, if you influence people, what definition are we going to use? But if I was a company, I wouldn't be really concerned unless, like I said, I was really invested in getting my logo out there. I would really be concerned with how many people are really trust this influencer, right? But if you have a podcast, I mean, that only makes you a bigger influencer, in my opinion. Like, there's no way being a podcaster makes you less of an influencer. I just can't see that. You're the exception, unfortunately. But that's the world we live in. But I'm biased, too. I mean, I'm literally a podcaster who has a podcast production consulting company. Like, totally. I'm trying to understand the other side, though. I mean, do you have the argument or do you know what the argument is? The argument is that they're just kind of forgotten. By who? That's the thing that doesn't make sense. It's like their listeners aren't forgetting them, you know? By mainly the brands, what they're saying is that when brands think about in their influencer marketing budget, they have YouTubers, they have Instagrammers, they have TikTokers, and most people leave out podcasters. But that is changing, though, by the numbers. And I bet you've seen the numbers. But these brands who are investing in podcasts, 
the liquid IVs are winning, man. They are. And if you get it, you get it. Like if you're not a brand who's investing in podcasters, then you don't understand. Like you shouldn't invest in podcasters because you just don't understand it. You just don't have the education level or the mindset. This is old guard mentality, man. Like the Instagrams and the Facebook, they've been around. This podcasting influencer thing, like the reason why they're not doing it is not because they don't believe in it. They just don't understand that the depth is important as well as the breadth. If I was like a business, I don't know if I'd go all in on podcast influencers. I probably wouldn't. It would probably be a quarter of my marketing or maybe 50%. But for sure, I think the big millions of follower influencers do matter too, you know, but to just market off doesn't make sense. I think, you know, you got to get that education first, for sure. So I get that. Right. And this has been fun. And I'm sure we'll do multiple episodes, part twos and threes for sure. Where can people go to stay connected? You know, what, what I'm enjoying about you is, oh, we connected on LinkedIn and that's kind of where everything went through. And I was like, oh, this guy's pretty buttoned up. And I was like, oh, he just, he's got a buttoned up LinkedIn. That's what it is. But no, this guy's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's funny. You do a great job keeping your LinkedIn profile kosher. And then I'm sure you have fun on Instagram. So yeah. <laughs> um, my podcast clips might offend you. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not one of these shock and awe guys for sure, but I do raw uncensored conversations with rappers and A&Rs. And I mean, listen, we get into some deep stuff, but that's just the podcast. But in terms of where you could find me, it's podcastprinciples.com. I think I gave you a link in your form to some free resources that we have here. The podcast guesting guide is one of them. If you've never been on a podcast before, this guide is will be beneficial to you. And it's really simple. Four steps if you want to go grab that. And then Ryan R. Sullivan on LinkedIn. My name is like almost as common as John Smith. So definitely use the R there and you'll be able to find me. And then finally, sullybop.com. And that's where you can find my personal podcast, my music and all that stuff. So I know I just rattled all that off. I bet it'll probably be in the description too. But um, but if you search sullybop or podcast principles, you'll definitely find me there. And I want to say we are trying to revamp our company podcast to make it a style similar to what you're doing here, man. And I really appreciate what you're doing. So I'd love to have you on that. And when we do it, we're going to make sure we're going <laughs> to stay as consistent. We're going to be able to stay consistent with it. And we really, you know, are tapping into a format that we really enjoy. So I'd like to see that. That's probably on the horizon there in the new year, most likely. Exciting stuff. We'll go get connected. Also, Ryan's partner, Jack, put some great posts on LinkedIn too. So not shout out to there. Jack, man, making things happen. We'll not be here without the guy. So this is fantastic. And uh, follow me on Twitter. It's Hector underscore podcast. And uh, we'll see you guys in the next episode. Later, y'all. Peace.